Welcome, everybody, uh, to PR Tech Wednesdays, the weekly webinar where thought leaders discuss the latest in PR tech. I'm your host, Eric Schwartzman. We do this every Wednesday from 12 to 1 Pacific time. It's free, and you can sign up at prtechwednesdays.com. Today, we're joined by Kate Bradley-Churnus. She's the founder and CEO of Lately, which uses AI to auto-generate posts, videos, and text articles into engaging social posts. Uh, She's a former marketing agency owner and came up with the idea for Lately from an editorial calendar she built and managed uh, for her client Walmart that resulted in 130% 130, 130 ROI. Before that, she had 2 million listeners as a music director and on-air host at Sirius.xm. She's an award-winning radio producer, engineer, and voice talent with 25 years of national broadcast experience. Kate, welcome to PR Tech Wednesdays. Hey, thank you so much, Eric. I'm super excited to be here, and uh, Lauren's here, too. Hi, Lauren. Hey there, Eric. Hey, Kate. Welcome. Lauren Turo is the head of growth at Lately, and we're glad to have her on, too, because we're going to get to see the tool uh, as well today. Um I jumped the gun. For today's session, let's use Webinar Wednesday for the hashtag. So if you're sharing out on social media, it will be Webinar Wednesday, singular. Uh, We also have a really special bonus for you at the end of today's session. So stick around, and Kate is going to tell you how you can get free access to Lately and give it a try at the end of the session. So stick around to the end. She'll give you a link of where you can get uh, free access to Lately. Um. Lately is uh, a tool that uh, I know Gary Vee was tweeting about. He's testing it. Jason Calacanis is invested in it. It's a very hot tool. I've been testing it for the last couple of months with amazing results. Um, So we're going to get started and talk about that. Uh, Wherever you are listening to this today, please take a moment, like, comment, subscribe, share. Help us spread the word. Help us reach more people with this program today. Uh, Before we get started, there's a bunch of new content marketing uh, content and resources that I released last week that I want to tell you about. Uh, The first is a set of uh, tips and tactics on content marketing strategy from Robert Rose. He's the chief strategy advisor with the Content Marketing Institute, and that's available on my blog, um, or you can pick it up as an audio podcast and listen to it as you go. He shared some amazing tips based on all his experience working with small, large uh, companies on content marketing strategy, and uh, I learned a ton out of it. Um, We also have a new post-pandemic guide to B2B content marketing, which is killer. It covers uh, how to figure out how much time you need to invest to rank in Google, um, strategies for going after competitive keywords, the 11 essential content marketing skills you need to develop, five effective how-to content marketing formulas for ways to evaluate the competition, and much, much more. Um, This post-pandemic guide to B2B marketing is available at ericschwartzman.com forward slash blog. And finally, we released a deep dive discussion with Andy Crestadina of Orbit Media. And um, it's, it's about creating content for different stages of the customer journey. Um, it, so if you're in content marketing and you don't know Andy, you definitely need to. He's the author of Content Chemistry, and Orbit Media is a multi-million dollar uh, agency that handles not just web design, but they also do organic media as well, not just paid. So they really have all those skills under one roof. So it was amazing to hear this uh, share from him about uh, creating content for different stages of the funnel. And he also talked quite a bit about content marketing promotion, right? Because after you hit publish, you're not done. you got to promote the content. So, again, you can get all these content marketing bonus resources uh, at ericschwartzman.com forward slash blog. So head on over there now and subscribe, and we've got lots more killer content in the pipeline. Um, so let's get started. Uh, welcome, guys. Uh, you Now, Kate, where are you? You're Thank in... You. I'm in the Hudson Valley of New York, so about two hours north of the city, where it's calm and pretty, pretty uh, sparse for the most part. Country. Warren, you're you're in the Mile High City, right? I am. Yeah. 
So in Denver. I actually, I was just uh, just east of Cape for a long time, but um, I just moved out here, so. <laughs> cool. Um, welcome to everyone in the chat. Welcome, Katie. Uh, welcome, Chris. Um, welcome, Nicole. Welcome, Ann Keith. Welcome, Jim. Let us know where you're from. Uh, I see Katie's coming in from Vancouver, B.C., uh, other people talking in the chat there. You've already said where you're where you're coming in from, so thanks for that. But let us know where you are. Let us know what you'd like to hear today. And I'll ask you, if you would, you know, the chat is open to exchange links, talk about whatever you like. We do not police the chat. This is about networking and talking amongst ourselves. But if you have a question, please, so it's easy for us to find it, put it in the QA tab so we can find that um, pretty easily. Um Okay, let's get started. So, so the first thing I want to talk about, Kate, you know, what's it like guiding a startup during COVID-19? Um, thank you so much, Eric. By the way, I'm really just pleased to be here with you and everybody. Um, guiding a startup during COVID-19 for us hasn't been much different than normal and only because a startup is wild and crazy all the time. And you're always bracing yourself for a shizzle storm, right? And in fact, we've been riding one out ourselves for the last 18 months. So when COVID hit, my team was like, eh, same thing, different day, right? We already knew how to operate on a low budget. We already all work from home. Um, and our customers mostly already worked from home as well. So it wasn't that different of a switch for us um, for the most part. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you know, the hard thing, you know, cause I've, I've launched a couple, I funded a couple startups that I both yeah. built and sold, founded them. And the hard thing I found, you know, when you're fundraising is, is sort of manufacturing the immediacy to close the deal. Because people are excited yeah. and they commit, but then do they really commit? They don't commit until they sign the check. And it's like when there's real-world events, you can kind of use those events as sort of a point to bring everyone together and try to get people to sign. Now you can't do that. Everybody's sort of spread out. So I would imagine yeah. that would be a lot tougher. It's funny because so and investors can smell it when, when you're making it up, right? So you can't really, like you said, manufacture the urgency. You know, right before COVID, Eric, we had circled $4 million for a round. I had a term sheet in hand and then the world exploded. And this is not the first time I've been there. I had a similar thing going on for me about a year and a half ago and I couldn't close the deal, right? And so... You know, while my team reacted really well because they're like, well, we're already in what we call cockroach mode, I didn't react well. I went and cried in, on the couch and ate nachos for two weeks in my yoga pants because I, I was like, oh, good. I failed twice. That feels really awesome. Like that's, this is my perception. Whereas my co-founder, Steve, was like, hey, dude, the whole world just exploded. Like, you need to give yourself a pass here, you know? Um, but, but what I kept overthinking my mind was, was really, is this why I didn't close it? I mean, I could have closed it six weeks ago. Why wasn't I pushing them into this urgency? You know, the one thing that's interesting also on the COVID raise note, which we're hearing, and I'm, I was surprised to hear was because so much fundraising has now gone virtual companies are actually closing much more quickly because they're having, um, an, they're having access to a greater audience, but also um, the venture people are seem to be forgiving their normal rules of like three meetings in person and all that kind of stuff, right? People are just making the deal because they they have to spend the money, right? Their their whole thesis guide says they have to spend X amount of money each year or invest invest X amount of money. So that's kind of interesting. You know, you have such an interesting uh, background. Um, coming out of uh, uh, broadcast media, you know, coming out of radio, which, you know, is all about really keeping someone's attention. I mean, just one wrong yeah. word and your ratings drop, right? I mean, you've got to sort of figure out how to create content that really engages people and keeps them engaged or you fail. So you come with that sensibility, then you go into marketing and you're sort of juggling 
this, you know, editorial calendar of all these different posts and a spreadsheet for Walmart and sort of working as a copywriter and sort of translating what you've learned as a broadcaster now to the written word. And then I guess you, you have this aha moment, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, I'm, I'm guilty of not seeing my own success. Other people have this problem, apparently, I've heard as well, sometimes a lot other women, but other people had to tell me, hey, what you're doing here is amazing. And I was like, what? I'm just doing what I think is obvious to do, right? I just, I just built a spreadsheet that happened to get us 130% ROI year over year for three years. But that was my perception. It just happened to, like, and someone was like, no, man, you engineered this. You have to, you know, kind of own, own this this um, thing that you've done. And that, by the way, is the same thing with lately. So like um, by the time we, before I had made it into a product, someone else, my co-founder Steve came along and was like, hey, you know, you can automate this. We can automate this, make wireframes. Um, all you need is $25,000. And I was like, whoa, $25,000. I've been a rock and roll DJ my whole life. Like, I don't have that kind of money. What's a wireframe? Don't touch my spreadsheets, you know. And Steve had the vision to see, again, something that, that I didn't see. Um, and that's something that I'm trying to overcome as an entrepreneur, by the way. And it's so ironic, Eric, because, like, I am a marketer, right? So my job is to, like, see something and put the right spin on it. But when it comes to myself, like, I, I, need, I need team, right? So, so... You're, you're sort of juggling this spreadsheet. You're doing this work for Walmart. You're thinking you have this aha moment that there must be a better way than manually writing all these posts and figuring yeah. out which one works and which one doesn't and scoring them and trying to apply whatever you've learned moving forward. Talk to us about this aha moment where you have this idea of, you know, how you're going to use technology to solve this problem. Yeah. So thanks for asking. So I came from, uh, I was a fiction writing major in college. So like I like writing and I learned how to break rules with fiction writing because fiction writing is not essay writing, right? There's more poetry in, in involved there. And then I had the radio um, background, as you said it as well. And again, breaking rules is kind of a thing with me. So I worked in live radio, except for at XM, it was recorded, but we had to try to make it sound live. So we made mistakes on purpose, right? And I was also in radio, a certain format where we played album cuts, we focused on segues, the art of the theater of the mind and all these things. So a little bit atypical. And then by the, by the time I got to Walmart, I'd had this experience of developing organization systems for IBM and, and XM, where hundreds or thousands of people were collaborating in one place. So I understood that problem of like people needing to work together kind of virtually. And this is, you know, a dozen years ago. And so with the Walmart, um, account. It wasn't just Walmart, by the way, it was Walmart and AT&T and Bank of America and the IRS, and then they're all their franchises and tens of thousands of small and medium businesses. And we had to get everybody to market together. It was a good, there was a goodwill project going on. And so I knew that in order for everybody to do a good job together, we had to understand what they did. So I did an audit of 20,000 companies, did a marketing audit because I'm crazy. And I was like, every little one, I got to understand this. And so I went to learn that marketers at small companies and large companies make the same mistakes. They had the same problems, which is fascinating. Walmart included and the mom and pop library volunteer down the road, right? And then I needed to organize this chaos. So I just went home and I built a spreadsheet and I did it for myself. And then I just, cause my mind was, you know, exploding <laughs> and I showed it to the person I was working with and they were like, Oh, you have to bring this to the team. And I did. And um, it was interesting because it was a new way of thinking. Now, again, this is a dozen years ago. So I'll give you an example. Like for us, this project, we would do the thing. And then at the end of it, review it, look at the results and plan how to fix it next year. And I was like, Hey, <laughs> why don't we look at the data in real time, right? And fix it now. And the reason we were able to do that is because we had to pull it together, you know, in the spreadsheet system and the spreadsheets, by the way, uncovered, and I'm going to get to the aha moment, but um, well, there's a couple of ahas here. They uncovered um, two key things I saw. Number one, Overall, marketers don't like writing. They're bad at writing. It's a chore. They don't want to do it. They hire other people to do it, or they drag their feet. The fear of the blank page is like debilitating. Or 
there's so much content being created that it doesn't really see the light of the day. It gets, it collects dust. So there's this need to like unlock all the efforts that we make, like recording a webinar like this, right? Or, or writing a newsletter uh, or all these things we spend time on. How do we really get it to work for us? And I saw that and the spreadsheet system was designed to do those two things, right? Um, so that was the aha of the spreadsheets with Walmart. And then when just jumping fast forward a little bit with, with Steve, when he saw the spreadsheets, his aha was to give you the power and, and Patrick the power and Natalie the power to do what I did for Walmart for a few bucks in a few seconds, right? So, so let's talk about for, for a moment here because uh, we're going we're gonna to do a demo. We're going to show, so if you're on the call, uh, Lauren's actually going to, uh, in, in a few minutes here, going to pull up lately and we're actually going to get a chance to see this tool that basically takes a link to a web page and generates social media shares that are engaging and most likely to share based on AI using AI technology. But but before we get there, let's talk about kind of how you approach that. Like what 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 are the essential elements of an engaging social media post? That's such a good question because that's the thing that I think and I hate this. Like I hate how marketing in general marketing leaders, I'm not pointing any fingers, I'm just saying in general, always give you 30,000 foot advice. Like, so make sure you're compelling and you're like, duh, <laughs> of course. Like, what, what does that mean, right? So I like to- Be authentic. That's <laughs> yeah, be authentic. Yeah, what does that mean? Like, passionate. Come on, man, you're killing me. Okay. Right, exactly. So you're, thank you. That, that underscores the, the problem exactly. So I like to think about um, verbs. Verbs is an easy one, right? So one of the things I learned in fiction writing is that to be is your enemy. The verb to be is bland. There are uh, thousands of other verbs that you can look, that you can choose from. And so, for example, um, check out is the most vapid, lazy call to action known to humankind. It doesn't mean anything. Think about the last time you checked out any link that anyone ever told you to check out. You didn't because there's nothing compelling. There's no, you're not giving me the value. What's the result of me clicking that link, right? That's what I want to know. Oh, I'm going to get 50 pounds thinner. Bam, then I'll click that link or something like that, right? So verbs are an easy one. Um, you can use contractions. Like I'm a big fan of, um, marketing how I talk, right? So I listen to radio. I'm I'm oral, um, uh, and so I'll, I'll divert a little bit because I love this. So the neuroscience of music tells us that when you listen to any song, your brain has to access every song you've heard before in order to index that song inside your your memory. And so nostalgia is tied to music, which is why it's so powerful for us, right? Now your voice, Eric, is a note. This right? So when you hear my voice, similar thing happens. Now, when you read text, which is what you do, you read it out loud in your mind when you see it, right? Everybody has that aureal track going on. It's a similar idea. And so as I was talking for a living and now I write for a living, I think about how does it sound to me, right? So if you write something and then you read it out loud to yourself, it, if at any point it feels awkward or you trip over those words, those are not the right words for you or your audience, right? It's a quick and easy way to um, discover how authentic you're being, right? Um, another tip, just while I'm here, is we talked about contractions. I touched on that. So contractions are a great, great way to write because it is how you talk, right? So these rules that we were, we were all taught in school about formal writing, you know, warming up an audience with some preface paragraph and burring the hell out of the lead. Like, don't do those things. Um, take out that first sentence, whatever you just wrote, that social post, the, the first five words were probably useless. You know, is that helpful? Yeah. So, so designing an algorithm that uses artificial intelligence to review long form content and pull out the sentences most likely to be engaging in a tweet or a Facebook post or a LinkedIn post, what are the factors? What are the, what different criteria are you using to evaluate the written word? Or spoken. Yeah. Uh, right. Or the spoken one. Exactly. So 
So lately uses artificial intelligence to learn what customers want to read, uh, hear, or watch. That's what we do. And then we help you take long-form content and translate it into that short-form content. That's, that's in, in a nutshell. And the way the AI works is to, first of all, there's some practical stuff that happens. It's a combination of um, natural language processing and artificial intelligence. And it goes in and assesses every social post that you've published in the last year on any channel when you connect them to our, to our brain. And it's looking through those posts and trying to find the highest engaging content. And then it studies that content and it looks for the words and phrases that you've used. And then it builds a writing model based on what it already knows is going to test well with your customers because it is, right? And then it takes your long form content and it studies it and pulls out those patterns, the content that, that reflects those patterns there to give you smarter, more compelling content. And the more you feed it, the smarter it gets, right? So our idea is why in the world would you guess <laughs> what your customers want to read, watch, or listen to when you can use AI to help you? It's so crazy. No. You know? So most people, particularly B2Bs who do digital marketing, don't even, like if you ask them, about their numbers, about their analytics, they don't even know. Yeah. And it's like, all they would have to do is, you know, go into Google Analytics, you know, go to acquisition, go to channels, take a look at, you know, the session time for the people coming to their site from social versus search versus email. And they would probably, most of them would probably say, oh my God, I'm wasting a lot of time on social. They really should be focusing on search because those guys stick around longer, have higher purchase intent, visit more pages and convert at a higher rate. But the people don't even, I mean, you would never invest in a stock without <laughs> looking at the returns. Yet when it comes to social media, people just figure, I guess they're just so overwhelmed by all the different options that are out there for digital marketing. They figure, oh, well, I'll just do what other people are doing. It's Which true. Like there's social media because it's easiest. Yeah, I mean, marketing gets that rap, right? It's it's more art than science, and and it is a part art. There's no doubt about it, right? But it it is, it's part art. <laughs> so what we say is that humans plus AI is the magic potion around here. Excuse me. So like, a human on their own, awesome. AI on their own, awesome. Humans plus AI, that's like galactic. So it's a one plus one equals three equation, which is why we designed the AI to only start you at third base, like we're, which is pretty far along. And there's not an only there, right? Like, so I want to start you off at third base, but you, the human, you got to get in there and put that little extra oomph because that's the magic, right? That's the art to, to get you to third base, to home plate. And what's so funny about that, Eric, is like, this is amazing to me, like another analogy, like people have QuickBooks, they sit down to do work and, and do their accounting and they know that it takes work and QuickBooks is going to help them do the work and start them at third base, but they have to put some time in. But with marketing, they want nothing to do with that. They just want to like push the button and walk away. And you're like, hey, like there is some, you know, effort involved here, right? I mean, you know, it seems like there's almost, you can almost take a Maslowian approach, sort of a hierarchical hmm. approach to digital marketing. When, when we think about social, we think, oh, my God, social is easy and it's fun and it's creative. Let's do it. Oh, now there's lately. We can do it easier with less effort. It'll be more effective. At the end of the day, we're usually using social to engage someone in a transaction of some type, either get them to sign up for an email list or a demo or a purchase or something, right? But we don't really take care of the owned media portion before we do the shared media portion, you know? So I'm, I've, I'm really always been an owned media first guy, but obviously once your own media funnel is in place, you got to get your traffic from somewhere. And if you can yeah. do it more effectively with shared uh, from shared media with AI, instead of sort of hitting your head against the wall, trying to figure out what tweet is going to get you the most engagement and then just kind of, you know, kind of praying that, that it works. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've had amazing results. So let's take a moment. I know everyone on the call wants to see lately and that's why they signed up. They saw Gary V tweeted about it. They know Jason Calacanis invested. They want to see it. So I think we should just go, we should go to a demo and then we can come back and talk more about AI. 
So why don't you take it away, Lauren? Right. Well, Kate, do you want to you want to talk through it, and I'll I'll be the hands. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Well, why don't we get get you st- set up, and um, we can do a screen share there. And thanks everybody for for wanting to stick around here and and see the see the jam. And I promise that your mouth will drop open at least once, maybe twice. Um, so, all right. So first, we're going to show you two things. There's a small wow, and then a second big wow. So. Um, like Eric said, like a lot of people have owned media and a lot of us have earned media as well that we're not really sure how to make the best use of, right? So like a podcast like this, what, is there something that I can do with this afterwards? And the answer is yes. Um, so what, what Lauren's got here is one of Eric's blogs. Awesome. And he put some time into, I'm going to guess he put like between two and four hours into writing that puppy. And she's going to paste the link into lately. And she's checked uh, LinkedIn over there. And now she's typing in some, hashtags that go with the blog and there's more cool things she can do. But for the purpose of a demo, she's just going to click that magical button there. And lately is going to get to work. The AI is now examining all the social posts in the past, looking for the most compelling content and boom, it's got 35 social posts from this particular blog to help Eric promote it. And the idea here is to give Eric teasers, give you teasers, a reason to click that link, something more than checkout, right? Something compelling, something share worthy. Because Eric has been doing this for a long time. He knows how to write nuggets. He knows how to speak nuggets. And he wants to leverage the heck out of that, right? And the great thing is you can just pop in, do a quick edit. This is that idea of the human taking it to home plate, right? Lately starting you at third base. Human can pop in, make a quick Wowee, woohoo, learn more, or anything like that, right? And you could add a bank of different photos to rotate in here. You could do tagging. There's all kinds of automated things. You could additionally ramp it up, but you guys get the idea, right? And the great thing, too, is we just gave Eric, like, what is it, 40, 40 posts? 40 different ways, 35, 35, thanks, Lauren. 35 different ways of accessing new potential customers, right? Rather than the same message over and over again. So you're getting quantity, but then remember the most important thing is the quality because the AI has already tested this with your audience. It already knows it's going to resonate. Um, and we can pop in, actually, can you just go to the word cloud real quick, Lauren, so they can see what that looks like. And this is one of the ways that it knows. Um, so, Let's pick a, pick a word here. So these are the words that Lately has studied. And oh, wow, human. We got 9,000 impressions in one post. You can tell the AI, please pay more attention to the word human or less attention. And then also you, the human, can look at this and say, oh, I should write more content that mentions you know, Gary or human or shared. I should try to use these words more. And we do this with hashtags and at mentions. There's a lot of ways to help you um, do what, what we call true social listening, right? This isn't just trying to glom onto the latest trending hashtag. This is using what your, your customers are telling you they want to read more about. Um, and feel free to ask, ask questions in the chat, and um, we'll get to them in just a sec. I just want to show you guys one more thing. You cool, Eric? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so if you weren't already leaning over in your seats, um, imagine we just did the same thing with a podcast or a video. And so we'll show you how that works. So we can upload a video into Lately, just like this webinar here. And Lately will automatically transcribe it. So that's what's in the white box is the transcription. We did this for you so we didn't have to wait for the AI to do it. And then uh, we got some hashtags in there. This is from a, a Gary V video, a link to his video. And Lauren selected at attack video clips. Again, she's pushing the match button, and boom, Lately's going to find 22 golden nugget quotes that Gary said in that video and pair the video clip of what he said with the written social post, right? And you can now, as of today, also edit the video so you can make it longer or shorter than what we give you. So you've got a lot of wiggle room. And this is, in fact, a mini movie trailer to, you know, what, what Gary was doing there. Um, Gary is a customer, as Eric mentioned. In fact, he launched um, an entire Twitter channel, this one, Gary VTV, that's fueled only by Lately's AI. 
So this is what it looks like in the wild. Lately pulled out those quotes. We got the hashtags, the links, the videos, and it's getting Gary a 12,000% increase in engagement. And the reason why, by the way, is because um, it's smart. I like to say the AI is smart AF. And, and Kate, um, how automated is this? I mean, are they going through deciding which ones to share? Or are they just basically taking everything and auto-scheduling it? Just how automated is it and how much touch is required? Yeah, so you do want to do some touch because the AI needs your help. And it does, does get smarter, but it'll spit out for, let's just say you put in a half an hour video. It could spit out 200 clips for you. And so you can just scroll down and um, let's just let's scroll down to some ones that the AI maybe didn't do great on. Okay, so let's stop at that one. No, no, I don't. So what I would do is I could go in and edit this and think, I couldn't edit this or I could just be like, this is weird. I'm going to trash it. So I might just trash it, right? Then the next one, um, I feel like I like and I might want to edit it or add another hashtag just to orient people a little more. It might take me a few seconds. So what I always say about writing, Eric, and I bet you operate the same way too, is writing is, is one part um, push stuff out and four parts edit, right? And so if you're letting the AI do the, the push part here, you should expect to come in and do some editing just to you know, get your optimal um, results here as well. So I think Jim probably spends like an hour a day. How did Shakespeare do it? You know, I mean, how did Shakespeare like I was, do it? I was watching Hamilton. Poetry. I watched Hamilton on Disney Plus. And, uh, you know, I mean, the guy was so prolific. He didn't even have a computer. And they wrote all this stuff. How did they pull it off? I mean, how did they rewrite? Because for us, it's easy. We just go back and rewrite it. Did they get it right the yeah. first time? Or what do you think? I, I mean, I... I'm sure, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm very positive that there was the reading out loud to other people and the, the experience of hearing out loud and doing some kind of editing based on that. Because you have to with poetry. You know that there was a song there, right? Oh, shucks, we lost your volume. Is there anything else we want to show or should I, uh, should I stop the share so they can see? Oh, it? yeah, we can... Yeah, we can stop. Good idea. Unless anyone has questions, but and thanks for that. For that, by the way. All right. Good. Um, so okay. So I mean, it's it's flooring. You look at this, and it's amazing. Uh, I guess we should be really afraid at this point of AI, right? I mean, we should be terrified. I think a little bit. I mean, you know, we're so in the in just so everybody's really clear in the AI lifespan. If an AI is a human, it's only like two months old, right? So. That the whole idea of, of robots self-thinking and taking over is far, far, far away. Um, COVID times may have moved it forward a little bit because certainly people are working harder and being more inventive than previous to COVID. Um, but I think like, you know, what we live by, hi, who's that? Cutie patootie. Is, this is our fearless is there, mascot. He hasn't been appeared in a few episodes. So I figured I would bring him in. This is Ace. When he first was Ace. on the first shows, he was just a puppy. And you can see he's, he's a, grown into a fine young man. I'm dying to nuzzle with him. He's so cute. This is the thing, Eric. You just demonstrated it, right? This is the reason why the robots can't take over. This is only a human can hug, right? Now, right now, as marketers, our job is to figure out how to, you know, hug through text, through podcasting through video, right? But oh, you can never take this away from us. So don't be that scared. Yeah, I, mean, I read uh, the book um, AI Superpowers by Kai-Fu Lee. Mm. And he was the guy who ran Google China. And, uh, you know, ultimately Google pulled out of China. Now I know he's a VC there and invests in a lot of AI. You might like the book. Um, Actually, let me show you. Oh, I would like the book. This is this is it. It's fantastic book. Uh, you rip through it. It's just one of those amazing reads. And he talks all about, um, you know, how there's no data like more data. More data, the better. <laughs> and what he basically yeah. says is because there are very few restrictions 
on the data that can be collected in China, you know, because they aren't, they don't have privacy concerns like we do, um, that they are really poised to take the lead on AI because they have more data and less restrictions. Yeah, I mean, that's where our, our AI team is, by the way. Um, and, you know, to that, to that note, I just want to make sure that, because I was looking at Jim's comment here, you know, there's, we learned there's two kinds of AI. There's pseudo-AI and autonomous AI, right? So pseudo-AI is really still a human has to tell the computer what to do, right? It's more machine learning-based. And, and then autonomous AI is when the AI is actually starting to think on its own, like, you know, it's learning on its own, right? So at Lately, we are just in the baby steps of that. We've got a whole behind-the-scenes thing happening, um, which I'll tell you guys about because it's really exciting. Can I do that? Yeah, let's um, do it. So we worked with Anheuser-Busch and Bev last year, and we ingested 10,000 pieces of content in one of their brand's voices into the AI brain. And the content came in the form of social media, uh, press releases, radio scripts, like any kind of text we could find in the brand voice. And at the end, we were able to push a button. And from scratch, our AI was to was able to create, again, from scratch, not quotes from a blog, um, really compelling social posts uh, on a certain theme in the brand voice, okay? So then our customer's biggest request has been kind of, again, what we're touching on here today, like, well, how do we how do we get more of that human element into what the AI does? And how do we do it like you do, Kate and Lauren and, and, and Katie? And um, so we're taking the model and we're running all of our own content, all of our own data through that brain. And we're doing it with our customers as well, customer data. So now we can actually push a button that gives you the lately version of what you just wrote or the Eric Schwartzman version or the Gary V version, right? You know, so interesting. So um, my son uh, is taking this uh, uh, jazz camp online. He's into he's a jazz pianist. And he says, Dad, you got to see this. And he shows me a replay of one of the classes he took. And it's a musician. And one of the kids asks him, you know, I feel like when I'm improvising, I'm constantly playing the same thing over again. It's not interesting. Mm-hmm. How, do I, how do I change that? And this, you know, guy in the 50s who just, I think the guy's name was uh, uh, Jonathan Saltzman or something like that. You know, he's got a doctorate in music. I mean, the guy's played at Carnegie Hall and he says, you know, that's really the toughest thing, you know, finding your voice. You know, what is your voice? Because, you know, if you're listening to other people and just playing what they play, you're mimicking their voice. But how is that unique? What are you bringing to the table if you don't have your own voice? And so I asked my son when I was done, I said, so, you know, if you feel like you're finding your voice and his answer was, mm-hmm. you know, I just feel like I don't have a, a, a broad enough vocabulary yet. Yeah. Develop yeah. my voice yet. And, and I was like, wow. And then this morning in the shower, I was thinking about it and I was thinking, well, wait a minute, a little kid has a voice. And they don't have a vocabulary, or do they? Are all little kids just Mm. cute and sort of, you know, naive? Or do kids have a unique voice? I think some kids do have a unique voice. Do you think you need to have a big vocabulary to have a voice? I think it's how you translate the voice, right? So by as humans, it's 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 really hard to do something new. Like so, everything that we do has to be learned from multiple other things. And music is a great one, right? Like my husband's a guitarist. So he's constantly studying other people's work and then replicating it back, right? That's how you learn music. And when you are finally able to produce your own voice, it's, I think it's really just um, a different perspective of all the voices that you've been studying over the years, right? Because um, this is, this relates to radio again. I talk a lot about personas and marketing and radio. The voice that I'm talking to you with right now, Eric, is not the same persona that I'm going to go talk to my mom later about, right? Or if I call up my, you know, Aunt Sally, I don't have an Aunt Sally, my Aunt Jeanette later, <laughs> different voice, for example, or my, in my team meeting earlier today, different persona, right? And um, that all is still uniquely me, but it's a different voice of me. And it's the same way with, um, I think, children in that, in that same effort. They're definitely mirroring their parents, right? 
or people that they're around, but they're choosing like which parts to give out to you at this at one time. And that's the part that's unique. I think. So, so we had Steve Lohr, who's the technology editor at the New York times on this show. And, um, you know, about 10 years ago, that's heavy hitting right there. About 10 years ago, the New York times brought in Bruce clay consulting to teach the editors how to write a headline for search. Because, you know, they move one headline online, and then after they archive the story, they use a different headline. And so um, um, Steve Lohr, the editor of the New York Times, wrote an article that ran in the Week in Review, the opinion page on Sunday. And the headline, I'll never forget it, was, this boring title was written for Google. <laughs> because when you write for search, you don't, the Google, right, Google gives you nothing for wit, irony, humor, and style. You want to just give them True. something that they know if they click on, they're going to get what they want. No one's going to click just to see if it pays off like they would when they're perusing uh, a, a social feed. Whereas, you know, when we're looking down through, uh, you know, Twitter or any activity stream, we're looking for irony, metaphor, rhyme, repetition, alliteration, you know, figures of speech, idioms, all these different things, right? And so when you create technology, to do really the opposite of what you would think technology would do, that seems like just a Herculean task. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what you're reminding me of, again, I always lean on radio is, is this, right? So if I want to advertise to the masses, you want to always advertise on pop radio or country radio. That's where the most listeners are going to be, right? Um, but if you want to advertise to a smaller audience, but you know you're going to get more bang for your buck out, you want to do AM news radio um, or public radio, right? And it's because those listeners, those particular listeners remember ads. They associate the ads with the station and, and trust, whereas the vast people listening to, you know, pop radio or, or country it's just washing over them a little bit, which is fine. There's nothing, it's not a judgment about the people. It's like literally about knowing what kind of, what, what's your audience as a marketer. So if I want to make sure I appeal to my audience, I'm going to make sure that the content is not, this is your boring title <laughs> uh, by Google. It has to be something, you know, scroll worthy. Um, and it doesn't matter what kind of, you don't have to be advertising to AM news people to get that. You just have to know, you know, who your, who your sweet spot is, right? So when you think about, um, you know, the impact of AI on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, jobs, which jobs and what tasks, what parts of existing jobs are most at risk of being replaced? That's interesting. So I only know about, you know, content creation space with AI for the most part, which is pretty wide open space. Um, amazingly, because people didn't think that you could detect patterns in communications. And um, we can, right? We're finding that out. There are inc incredible patterns about how people write, talk, and, and, and speak and do things like that. Um, so for the jobs that we are replacing tend to be, um, you know, a manager, a social media manager might be replaced by lately because we are doing a lot of the grunt work. But we also find that for a lot of our customers, we're actually just freeing them up to do the creative parts, right? So the fun part of marketing and communication is the thought, the ideas, right? Not the grunt work. Um, it is annoying to think of 50,000 things to write and then publish them everywhere all the time and, you know, manually clip videos. Like that's, that's, you don't need to do that. Um, so I think like in, in my world, that's, you know, what we're seeing. Um, but I don't think like AI is not going to be taking over the role of a CMO and it's not going to be taking the role over of social selling teams. Right. Not yet. <laughs> at, at what point does AI get good enough to actually write the article? Well, I mean, certainly Persado has been working on that with their email um, version and, you know, I've seen my AI team pull out some pretty long paragraphs so far, and I've been very impressed with what's happening. Um, and you, we all know about that commercial. Was it Lexus? I forgot who did the commercial last year where they 
pulled together like all the best bits of every commercial and then, you know, produce something. Now, to be clear with that, there were humans behind it, right? So it, humans were assembling, saw the data, but then assembled the data and produced the commercial. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, still, it's still very, very gray. Uh, um, and I don't mean to write it off, Eric, it's like a non-worry, but in my mind, well, this is like basic matter. Like you, you don't grow matter. Like if something leaves, something gets replaced. It's the same way. What have you learned from AI other than what words resonate with people? Yeah, um, certainly what videos now, we're learning that, <laughs> and, and what audio. Um, the other thing that we've been learning I think we lost your audio. Um, she's gonna gonna work on that. Um, also, if you're just joining us, if you weren't here at the beginning, uh, stick around to the end because at the end she's gonna give us a link where we can sign up for free access uh, to Lately. So, um, am I back? Yeah, you're back. And we go in sharply at one o'clock. So. You know, stick around and she'll, we'll be sharing that link shortly. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so this is what's fun about being a human, right? Did everybody just go, oh, my God? <laughs> Did we make you feel something? That's well, Lauren put a post in uh, there right away, and then uh, I, I thought it was me. I was looking at myself, and then I realized it wasn't. So, yeah. But you seem <laughs> to have recovered quickly. <laughs> it's happened before. <laughs> but this is why we used to <laughs> totally. This is why we used to leave m mistakes on in radio because they're, they're valuable, right? This is that human element, right? This is why, like I said, don't be scared of AI because they, this, is the, this is the hug that you can't replace. This is the, holy sugar, is that just happening to me right now? Yes, it is, right? Um, I think, though, the, the thing that we're really interested in learning from the AI is that um, right now, it's actually producing a, reproducing a voice for us. Like, so um, if you guys follow us in any of the spaces, you can see that it, there is very much my voice. I'll give you an example. Um, so in, in real life, Eric knows this and Lauren knows this for sure, is that I, I swear like a sailor. I cuss like no end. Um, but in professional life, I try not to do that for the most part. And so I substitute it with different words like shizzle and jumping Jehoshaphat and holy dilly beans and stuff like that. And I'm pretty corny around that, but I do it for a couple of reasons. It gives voice. Um, it's clearly my voice um, and it makes us stand out out there. And what's so interesting is that the AI will pick it up in our word clouds and the new version of AI, like I just read, <laughs> it was like, holy jingle bells. <laughs> it was one of the things that it wrote. <laughs> and I was so impressed that it just picked up on that, nuance of corniness right um so it's it's um it's so funny because i read it and i thought wow that's magical and i also had the same feeling like oh! <laughs> right it's interesting you know the uh, the comment you make about mistakes um i i see on, on one of our attendees is sally olmstead who ran uh, all hey, sally Tech pr at uh, Rogers and Cowan for many years. And I, we were there at the same time. While we were there, there was another woman uh, who ran one of the personalities department named Julie Nathanson, who recently passed away. And I remember being in a meeting with Julie once and we had this new client. We're sort of, this is in the days of, you know, dual pocket presentation folders. That was like, you put a, pre you, there was a website, you put a press kit together and sent it to a journalist. And, and, uh, and I was sitting, I was young and excited. And I said, I think we should print up a killer. Let's print up a beautiful, too glossy, you know, folder and we'll send it out. Mm -hmm. And Julie grabbed it away from me. She, she took a blank one, <laughs> sticker on it. She wrote the name of the client. She said, here, send this. Why? <laughs> she said, because if it's slick and printed like that, they're going to think it's a carpet bomb. They, people That's want true. something new, something interesting. And she taught me a huge lesson that day about the fact that, yeah, you don't want it too perfect. 
Because if it's too perfect, it's not newsworthy anymore. And if it's too perfect, totally. there's nothing left to add. It's all been said already. There you go. Nothing left to add. That's perfect. Yeah. And and that's what, um, you know, I think that right now more than ever, we we know that the the ad part is this is the most valuable thing, right? This is the thing that we're all suddenly missing was that added thing in our life, the, the hug for another better lack of words. Right. And we're trying to figure out how to, how to, how to do what Julie did for you all day along now in every way possible, you know, super smart. Um, in terms of uh, uh, measuring the effectiveness of a social media post, how do you do that? How do you sort of prove the ROI? Is that baked into the system? How does that work? Yeah, so it seems like such an obvious question, right? But still, everyone struggles with it, as you alluded to earlier. So for us, we saw the same thing. Um, so we make it that you literally can just click the spike in your graph of analytics, and we will pull up what happened that day on social, on any channel, on any campaign that you like. So you can actually see what caused the spike and do it again. <laughs> it's so easy, right? Um, so I think like just trying to look at the obvious. I mean, I wasn't a marketer, Eric. I didn't go to marketing school. I went. To, I was a fiction writer. I was a rock and roll DJ. I, I come from this different vantage point. And I think whenever you can look at something with eyes that have nothing to do with the thing itself, um, I'm always telling my team, let's steal the metaphor from this other thing. And they look at me, Jason looks at me like I'm crazy. He's like, what does a hamburger have to do with lately? And I'm like, <laughs> let's talk about that impossible burger <laughs> or whatever, you know, I'm just making up weird shit. But like, I, I think like that's, that's what, um, that's what gives you, this is the, back to the child thing. I, we're all cyclical today. This is a, like a child translating the world differently, the same world that you know, but like through their, their eyes is what makes it unique, you know, same idea. So talk to us. I know you were, um, uh, you were one of the companies that was accepted by Jason Calacanis's accelerator program. So talk to us kind of about how you, you walk, tell us that story, how you got involved with them and what it was like and what happened. It was amazing by the way. I mean, so Jason Calacanis is a, a force. He doesn't suffer fools at all. He's very, very straight and um, very selective. So thank you, Jason. Um, what I loved the most was, you know, whenever I do accelerators, it's because I need a kick in the butt. You know, I know that and I don't know how to do it myself. So that's obviously what you get. Um, Jason really focused on your, your, your raise, but also your um, your pitch specifically. So not all this, you know, distractions with programming or marketing or any of these other things and um, conciseness. So as you may have already gathered from today, being concise is not my superpower. <laughs> I was a rock and roll DJ, right? Um, but with Jason, I learned to do a three minute pitch and um, I won the last demo day. I graduated in the top three of the class, which landed me a spot on this week in startups, which was really great. Um, and I, my confidence needed a shot in the arm. Um, and that was the best thing. I don't know if I told you this, Eric, but I couldn't be at one of the demo days. You go to, you go to 12 demo days and it's, it's in front of investors and you're on stage and all this. And I had a, an emergency that I couldn't do it. So my co-founder, Steve, had to do it. And Steve, while very confident and he's a serial entrepreneur, he walks in the room and you're like, oh my God, my life is saved. He has terrible stage fright. And so he got on the stage and he, he totally shut down total and this is on video because they video everything right and and he just said i'm just going to pitch kate for three minutes i'm going to pitch what i know so he pitched me and he um told this a story that had happened to me over the last year and the story of lately in the company not stuff i've told you guys today a little little more depressing stuff harder stuff grinder story and my phone started blowing up because all the people there were texting me like, you're not going to believe what Steve is doing right now. This is crazy. And then Steve stopped. And then Jason, this is the most amazing part. Jason gets up, walks to the mic, saves Steve's face, like saves him and says, hi, I'm Jason Calacanis. I'm an investor in Lately and I'm going to pitch this company. And then he walks through my whole slide deck. So I have one of Silicon Valley's most famous investors pitching me to these other investors, right? It was pretty incredible. And it's all, it's all on video. Um, maybe, maybe someone can drop the link in here. Um, but, um, what that did was it, 
it gave me so much confidence because whenever I'm feeling depressed about lately, which happens all the time, it's a roller coaster. I watched that video because I mean, Jason Calacanis telling the world that they're idiots if they don't love me. <laughs> that's pretty good. It's pretty valuable. Yeah. Right. I think it's a common, I think we all sometimes feel like frauds and we don't belong. I think it's a very common human experience, you know, to go yeah. through that. And, and however you figure out how to renew your, your spirit, you know, I mean, that's, that's what you got to do. And I think for the entrepreneur, it's a daily deal. Every day you're starting over again. Yeah. I mean, that this is what helps, right? Like, so people like you having the wherewithal and the kindness to lift us up is it's the only way it happens, right? Dude, I have so enjoyed <laughs> meeting you and talking to you. And, you know, for me, there, for you, with you, there's a level of humanity that brightens my day. So, so thank, thank you. you for that. Okay. Uh, and then final question, how did you get connected with Gary V? How, how, what, what brought Gary V into the picture? I can't tell you. <laughs> I can tell you part of it. How we found you or like what? Um, oh, well, I'll tell you that part. Yeah. So, so we, Katie, who's here, saw that Gary posted on LinkedIn a message about the pillar method, the pillar content method. And it was like, he said, you know, someday AI will be able to take my, you know, long form content and turn it into 40 social posts. And she was like, hey, Kate, get on this. And so I piled on, my whole team piled on. We reached out to every customer, every vocal marketer we knew. We asked them to comment on the thread. So we, we did engineer it. Um, we got them into a demo, which was amazing. Um, and we've been, Lauren has been charming them for a year now. And then when we released, and that was great, you know, they became our customer, but they weren't in love. Like we hadn't figured out what the secret sauce was yet because we were learning as well. But then we released the video clips feature and the, the person we were working with, Jim, just made a, a channel like you saw at a test channel and just literally in a meeting with Gary just turned his phone around and Gary went who are those people I need to meet them immediately and we had a meeting with them on the following Monday <laughs> so exciting, was exciting. Um, we are pretty much running out of time I want to uh, remind everyone who's on who's joined up uh, to stick around because uh, you're going to get a link um, where you can try lately. Uh, but first I want to, um, invite everyone to join us next week. We have a uh, three, uh, rock stars from the travel PR world to talk about, you know, how they're fighting the fight in that in that industry right now, because I mean, nobody's hit harder than travel. I mean, maybe convention centers, maybe that's the only one that's actually hit harder. And uh, so we have Trevor Marshall, um, she has a firm out of Orlando called TJM Communications. We have Carol Monroe. She is the senior director of brand communications at a major hotel chain. I'm not allowed to say who they are, but I'm sure if you show up, she'll probably tell us at some point, but I can't promote against it. But you know them. You probably have a loyalty. You probably have, you know, miles with them. And then we're going to have Brittany Gurton, who leads communications for Visit Sarasota County. So she's basically with the tourist board there in Sarasota. Cool. Um, and obviously that's, a, you know, spring break, spring break country. So it'll be very interesting to hear from them about how they're sort of weathering the storm. Um, for those participating in the Zoom session, at the end, you'll be directed to a page uh, where you will, I believe, uh, get free access to my SEO for PR course. Uh, if you don't, let me know, um, and I'll send you that out. If you're watching on Periscope, LinkedIn, Facebook, or YouTube, you know, you can join us live and ask questions and participate uh, by uh, signing up for the live chat. Um, also, don't forget to sign up for the amazing content marketing bonus content on my blog at ericschwartzman.com forward slash blog. And now I think Lauren, uh, Lauren is going to post a link to the chat where you can get uh, free access. Just mention PR tech. You don't have to write PR tech Wednesday. Just mention PR tech in the, uh, in your, in your um, sign up, and you'll get a free access. And I think you're going to be blown away by this. It's like a huge time savings. 
So I'm really excited about um, being able to get, get you guys access to it. And I just want to say, you know, thank you to, uh, to Lauren and Kate for doing this. Eric, thank you so much. Really, yeah, I mean, thank you, Eric. And if folks want to uh, follow you or connect with you, uh, how can they do that personally? Well, we just trained ourselves to Lately AI everywhere, <laughs> as you know, and we didn't do a good job of it. So at Lately AI in all the places. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, um, to everyone, thank you for joining us, and we will see you on the next PR Tech Wednesdays. Thanks for joining us.